Coming up on golf today, it's a third FedEx Cup title for Rory McIlroy. In so many ways, his most important FedEx Cup title. We delve into the win and the deeper meaning behind it. What a week. What a season. What a Monday. It's golf today. Golf today. Brought to you by PointsBet. I believe in the game of golf. I believe in this tour in particular. I believe on the players, and you know, I believe in the players on this tour. Um, it's the greatest place in the world to play golf, bar none. And I've played all over the world. And uh, you know, this is an incredibly proud moment for me, but it should also be a, an incredibly proud moment for the PGA Tour. They've. Um, you know, they've, they've had some hard times this year, but we're getting through it. And, um, you know, that was a spectacle out there today. You know, two of the, the best players in the world going head to head for, um, you know, the biggest prize on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, I hope everyone at home enjoyed that. Congratulations. Thanks, Mike. FedEx Cup champ, winner of the Tour Championship 2022, Rory McIlroy. History made on a gorgeous Sunday in Atlanta, Georgia. Rory McIlroy winning the FedEx Cup for a record third time, chasing down world number one Scotty Scheffler despite a six-shot deficit, a win that resonated outside the ropes, transcending that extra-large winner's check. And yes, breaking a tie with Tiger Woods for the most FedEx Cup titles, wins in 2016, 2019, 2022 on a run of every three years. And yes, Tiger, you see, winning two of the first three FedEx Cups. And yes, the big cat took notice of Rory's handiwork as well, tweeting this. Rory starts the week off with a triple and never gave up. Now he's the champ. Heck of a year for Scotty, too. Great way to close out the season. Damon Ack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. Hope your Monday is off to a terrific start. What a season ender for Rory McIlroy and the PGA Tour. It was a fittingly compelling end to what's probably been the most compelling season in the history of the PGA Tour, sometimes for what was actually going on inside the ropes. Yesterday it was a nice to actually focus on essentially the two best players in the world right yeah. now going at it, hammer and tongs for 18 holes. The quality of golf was superb. The storyline that seemed to shadow this entire season culminating in a beautiful final round. Let's take you to the highlights in case you missed it. It was quite a duel, as Eamon mentioned. The world number one, Scotty Scheffler, really struggling off the bat, but here he is the par four eighth trying to turn things around. This is where he normally excels. This from 131 yards, stuck it to four feet. You make the birdie to get to 21 under, but that was the last birdie Scotty Scheffler made all day. Yeah, losing that six-shot lead, getting the lead back there. Now, Rory McIlroy, his wedge game has been scrutinized. It's been criticized here from 119 yards away. It's that one to six feet. Gives himself a look at birdie. Absolutely. And look at the walk. Look at the confidence. There's Scotty Scheffler on the same par for 12th. This chip from just off the green, you can see that horrible bird nest lie. I think Azinger said it was like chipping out of a Brillo pad, and kind of that's the look you get. It's that to 11 feet, too. He has a par saver coming up, and here it is, trying to get some heat with this club. He does just that, stays at minus 21, but Rory McIlroy, of course, has that birdie putt from six feet away to tie for the lead. He finished second this week, strokes gained putting in the field, and that's why he made a lot of clutch putts on Sunday. Walk that one in, fewest putts in the field as well. Now here's Rory 
on the par four, 14th hole from just off the green. We've seen Rory reduced to one knee before in agony in big tournaments. It looked as though this one might just get away from him. Yeah, that bogey even falls back to minus 21 back of the world number one. Now this was pivotal. The par three, 15th hole, Rory McIlroy from 31 feet away. This was the last birdie made from the last twosome in the last tournament of the season. That was the deciding thrust. Led the field in putts over 25 feet, making three of those. Now Rory on the par four 16th from just off the back of the green. Having airmailed the green with a wedge from a fairway bunker, he clips the pin, leaves himself a testing putt for par. In a great break to hit that flag stuck. Here's Scheffler, his third from the greenside bunker. Top a little too much ball. 10 feet away. He's got another important par saver coming up. And this was the story of Scotty Scheffler's day. Just slides by. Yeah, he would later say he thought that the ball wobbled about a foot off the club. Now here's Rory to save his par. Look like a tap in, Eamon. Just gutted right down the middle. Suddenly he heads to the last with a one stroke lead. Able to keep that score at minus 21. So here's the 17th now, the par four. After just avoiding that bunker, this is Scotty second. Right over the flagstick. Hits it to 11 feet. Birdie putt upcoming for the world number one. And just a vision, Eamon, we haven't seen very much in 2022. Yeah, that was a pretty wide miss, and it was really the narrative for Scotty Scheffler on Sunday at Eastlake. Nothing that was going his way. His second now on the par five finisher from 244. See the little look of disappointment? He knows this one's headed right. Oh, into the bunker. Didn't like it from contact. Have to do something special from the greenside bunker with his third. Not much margin for error in a shot of this length. And he just carries it a little bit too far, skips it over the green, down into the collection area, leaving himself a chip shot for Birdie. He would say later that he thought he had a great bunker shot. There's not enough sand in his opinion, so now his fourth must make to have a chance. That wasn't going to do it. You can see the disappointment there. All that left for Roy McElroy to become a three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. So many happy Sundays for him in Atlanta, Georgia. Began that final round, six shots off the lead, but rallied for the largest final round comeback in tour championship history. And the victory marking his 12th come from behind win on tour and his 22nd win on the PGA Tour. What a weekend that it was, 63-66 for Rory McIlroy and after his victory talked about how special this win was given the events surrounding this past season. Look, it's it's been a it's been a tumultuous time for for the world of men's professional golf in particular. Um, and I've been right in the middle of it. You know, I've <laughs> picked a great time to go on the PGA Tour board. Uh, um, but yeah, I've I've been I've been in the thick of things, and um, <laughs> I guess every chance I get, I'm I'm trying to 
to defend what I feel is the best place to play elite professional golf in the world. And, um, you know, it, it, it's in some way, you know, it's in some ways fitting that, that I was able to, to get this done today to, you know, sort of round off a year that, um, that has been very, very challenging and different. And, but, um, yeah, they all, they're all sort of different. You know, I, it's been nice. You know, you, back in 2019, I took down the number one player in the world in Brooks Koepka. This year, I took down the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler. Um, you know, so I know that my best, my best stuff is, is good enough to win any tournament against anybody on any golf course. So, you know, I'm, that's something I can take away from today. For someone who's who's uh, accomplished what you what you have in golf, what's more valuable to you, the 18 million or, or having won that? Having having won, I think. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that come along with with winning the FedEx Cup, the trophy. I have three sterling silver uh, Calamity Jane replicas in my house, which is really cool. I mean, to think about here at East Lake and Bobby Jones the greatest amateur player ever to play the game, the sort of history and the traditions of, of the game of golf. Um, you know, he sort of exemplified all of that. So, look, the money is the money. Is the money. It's great. And, it, you know, we, we are professional golfers. We play golf for a living. We play, you know, that, that is a part of it. But I think at this, part of, at this point in my career, the, the winning and... The journey and the emotions and who I do it with mean more than the than the check. You know, Rory asked after the round why he excels as a chaser. He said, because out of everyone in the field, I care the least about the money. And you see the bonus payouts, $18 million for Rory McIlroy. Now a three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. And Eamon Lynch, when we look at what Rory was able to do on this golf course in this week, in this season, what stands out to you most? What we have been accustomed to seeing from Rory over the years is the weapons, the, you know, the booming drives, the approach shot. We know what he's capable of as a player. I think what we saw yesterday was the intimidation value of Rory McIlroy, which we see a little bit less of. And particularly with Scotty Scheffler, there's a tremendous importance on the fact that Rory McIlroy went out to finish his third round Sunday morning, birdie 17, birdie 18. That put him into the final group on Sunday afternoon with Scotty Scheffler. So Scotty was going to have to see the firepower he was going up against toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Mm. He wasn't going to be a, a group away in the same way that, say, Cam Smith was at the Open Championship. But what we saw from Rory was people, his peers, as they are, seeing exactly what he's capable of when he was in full flight. Mm. And the putter was in full flight yesterday. I mean, he finished this season a 16th in strokes gained putting for the entire season, which is by a mile yes. the best career ranking he's ever had in that category. He was second in the field this week at Eastlake. And I think we also saw a lot of grit out of Rory McIlroy as well. I mean, he started on Thursday with a triple bogey on the first hole, bogey the second hole, so the four shots he had been spotted under the staggered scoring right. system was gone. And at one point, even on Friday, he was 11 strokes off the lead and he starts Sunday six strokes back of the world number one mm. and the undisputed player of the year. So th this idea that that when Rory McIlroy's out of it that that he doesn't have that kind of grit or he doesn't have that kind of fire or desire to keep digging 
for something, yeah. I think that's kind of out the window at this point as a talking. He's playing for something larger than himself, Eamon. To me, this was the most PGA Tour-centric win that I have ever seen. This was Rory McIlroy validating the PGA Tour lifestyle, validating the system as a whole, validating the staggered start, validating it warts and all. Rory McIlroy saying, I am a PGA Tour player, and then standing astride, Jay Monahan, the commissioner, holding the FedEx Cup trophy for a third time. This was the player in the modern game at the age of 33 who has found his voice in a way that we haven't seen. And maybe he's always had it, but for where we sit in the game today in this fractured era of professional golf, Rory McIlroy has found a rallying cry, but it doesn't mean anything, Eamon, or does it mean as much if he's not doing what he's doing right there in that photo, which is winning trophies. To be able to, to walk the walk and talk the talk and do it on that stage in this moment with everything going on, I just think it's remarkable. We know the firepower. The putting's been criticized from time to time. The wedge game has been criticized. But to watch him do this concurrently, be the conscience of the game and the voice of the game, and then to go out and perform the way he does, 63-66 on the weekend, I mean, that is powerful, powerful and stuff. To do it as an active elite player because Tiger has joined him in that fight more recently. Yes. But Tiger's not playing much. He's kind of winding down his competitive career at this point. Rory McIlroy isn't. And I think there was there was a poetry. If you're a, a fan of the PGA Tour and not a fan of, of Live Golf, there was a poetry to what happened yesterday in yeah. this tournament, this season in particular, concluding with this man winning. But it's not the first time that Rory McIlroy stepped up in that scenario. If you remember the weekend of the the first Live Golf Tournament in London, Rory McIlroy had a shootout with Tony Finau and Justin Thomas. Yeah. The RBC Canadian Open, which is arguably maybe the best weekend that we saw of golf all year long in terms of drama and, and the best just going at each other. And it came pretty close yesterday as well. But that RBC Canadian Open, another moment when there's so much noise mm. going on outside of the ropes. And somehow Rory McIlroy seems to find the clarity in those moments to, to step up and do what he's actually being paid to do. It was mm. a very impressive performance, particularly given that his, his life has been somewhat chaotic in terms of calls and meetings, particularly yeah. even in the last 10 days since that players meeting on Tuesday of last week at, in Wilmington, which mm. then forced this kind of accelerated pace of change at the PGA Tour, which we saw the day before the tournament began with, with Jay Monaghan's press release. And Rory also following Jay Monaghan onto the stage to announce this new business venture with Tiger uh, mm. around simulator golf uh, coming up on Monday night starting in 2024. So there's a lot going on in his world. Perhaps just being inside the ropes hitting golf shots is actually the welcome distraction. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Rory McIlroy is a PGA Tour golfer. Uh, Tiger Woods is as well, but we know that at the height of power, Tiger would talk about the, the four biggest tournaments to him a year. Didn't mean he didn't show up for PGA Tour events and want to win those. But Rory McIlroy is a player's champion uh, who is embracing the PGA Tour ethos and lifestyle in this moment when the tour is in jeopardy. And, and to do so, to put yourself out there and to say, I am a PGA Tour player, the FedEx Cup matters. These events matter. It is a, 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 a powerful, remarkably strong presentation for this popular global player to put himself out there in the way that he has. And Tiger never served on the board of the PGA Tour. Yes. Rory serving on the board now in, in this 
mm. kind of very fractious period that we live in. He's giving that time to, to serve there. Tiger, you could argue, has carried the tour and made it what it is yes. today. As much by what he does outside the ropes as what he does inside the ropes, Rory McIlroy's got the tour on his back going forward. Yeah, and he's carrying it with great aplomb in this PGA Tour season. That was. All right, folks, coming up, it was not the Sunday Scotty Scheffler was hoping for in Atlanta. We'll hear from the world number one and reflect on his season as a whole. That's coming up. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Wind Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Bushnell Golf and the new wingman, crank up your game. Back on golf today, huge Sunday at Eastlake for Rory McIlroy. He began the day six shots behind Scotty Scheffler, but rallied for a final round 66 to win the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. And the victory marks the largest final round comeback in Tour Championship history after his win. The champ took some time to talk to the family of Scotty Scheffler. Hey, sorry. No, you know that. Hey, I love, I love, you. I love you too. You tell Jen. Great. So much class and decorum as usual for Rory McIlroy. Now that six shot lead so often kryptonite on the PGA Tour. Probably most famously Greg Norman losing that six shot lead in the final round. In 1996 Masters and of course Scotty Suffer not wanting to join that list on Sunday in Atlanta. After the day, Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler met the media. Scotty Scheffler is gonna win the player of the year. There's no doubt about that, right? So, I, you know, it would have been fitting for him to, to end his, his breakout season with a FedEx Cup title. Um, I think he deserves, you know, he, he deserves this maybe more than I deserve it. But, you know, he, he played an unbelievable season. Um, you know, he didn't have his best stuff today, and, and I played well and took advantage of that, but uh, Scotty will have plenty more chances to win FedEx Cups. So, um, hell of a player, uh, hell of a competitor, even better person, love his family. Um, you know, I, you know like it's hard. You don't really know what to say on the 18th green because he's had such a great year, and... Um, yeah, but he will, he'll be back, and he's a great player, and um, I told him this certainly isn't the last time that we're, we're going to have these battles on the golf course. Tip of the cap to Rory, he played a really good round of golf, and um, I mean, a really solid four days here. I don't uh, know exactly where he started the week at, but I'm sure he's pretty close to winning the tournament individually as well, and so tip of the cap to him. He played a great round of golf today and, um, you know, played good enough to win. The money's great, obviously. Um, playing professional golf for a living is such a gift, and um, for me, I, I don't play golf for money. Um, I play to win tournaments and I play to have fun and do my best and you know, see where the game can take me. And Today, I, the money definitely didn't creep into my mind. I wanted to win the season-long title. I've had a, a really great year and um, I wanted to finish it off with a win here. And Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's such a gift to be out here playing golf for money. And um, you know, I can't, I'm just so thankful to be out here. Scotty Scheffler didn't get the big trophy, didn't get the big check, but it's about the only things he didn't get this year. Four victories, including the Masters, four runner-up finishes, including the U.S. Open and the Tour Championship, 11 total top-ten finishes, and earned nearly $20 million between official money 
and the FedEx Cup bonus. So, Damon, I I'm curious, to what extent, you know, this is clearly, as Rory said, a breakout season. Yes. Scotty Scheffler says he doesn't play golf for money, he plays golf for trophies. In any way, is his season not necessarily diminished, but is it dented? by what happened yesterday, the six-stroke lead going. It is. It is. I, I think uh, in his quiet moments, he will feel that way. He knows that he had an amazing season, a fantastic season. Could have been an historic season had he held on to win for a fifth time in 2022 and added a FedEx Cup title to his Masters title, which is something that you know, Jordan Spieth, you know, this is someone who Scotty followed uh, in Texas, and had he been able to pull that off yesterday. It was interesting to hear him talk about how he missed some putts early, Eamon, and he started to kind of second-guess his reads a little yeah. bit. He misread the putt on 17. He wondered if his eyes weren't working as well. He talked about the bunker shot on 18 that he thought he hit perfectly, and then he said, you know what, there just wasn't enough sand in there. And that's what the great players do. You know, he talked about a putt that left his, you know, putter face in a foot later. He said, if you zoom in closely to the camera, you'll see that that, that putt started to, to wiggle offline. So that's what you have to do. I think the vision of Rory McIlroy had something to do with that. Rory being in the final group, having Scotty Suffer have to be alongside one of the great players of this era. It does not take away from what is an amazing season, a fantastic season. Could have been an historic season. That got away from him yesterday. And the putting really was an issue for him. He was 25th out of the 29 players in the field in strokes yeah. gain putting. Lost yeah. strokes gain to the field Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Part of me wonders what's the psychological value and whether or not the, the staggered scoring system that's used at Eastlake mm. comes into play if Scotty Scheffler had some doubts that, that he was there. Because he... He had a six-stroke lead over Rory McIlroy Sunday, heading into the final round Sunday afternoon. But he had that six-stroke lead on Thursday morning. He slept on the lead for a week. Yes, yes. And is there, psychologically, you haven't played your way into that lead. Over the course of the season, yeah. you have. But you have not played your way into the lead that week. Mm. And I'm just wondering if psychologically that makes a little bit of a difference to some of these guys where you, you feel as though you haven't necessarily earned the lead that you have and whatever frailties are in the game and Scotty Scheffler was showing yeah. some frailties earlier in the week they start to come out at that point as well I mean he lost two and a half strokes to the field at least yeah. over the weekend each round that he played on a strokes gained approach which is normally a strength yeah. of Scotty Scheffler's there wasn't really he wasn't as unsung with mm. his game as the, the leaderboard would have suggested due to the, the, the scoring system it's used for the Tour Championship. And I just wonder if that, in a way, undermined his confidence because clearly Rory McIlroy was playing better golf yeah. than Scotty Scheffler was heading into that final round. It almost seemed like he ran out of gas, maybe even mentally, for carrying that lead because on Sunday morning, I mean, he extended his lead a great duel alongside Xander Shoffley and outplaying him yeah. to build that six-shot lead. And it looked like game, set, match. It looked like this was going to be done and dusted. And it just all of a sudden, right off the bat, he says he starts, you know, misreading putts and he's wondering if his eyes are working properly. At the end of the round, he did say, you know what, I did not have my best stuff and I nearly won the golf tournament. And I'll take away that from this day but my goodness it has to sting a little bit knowing that you had a chance to really kind of etch your name in the history books in a very unique way as a five-time winner this season true but guaranteed player of the year as Rory just yeah. said four victories a green jacket and 20 yes. million dollars oh, to mop his tears he ain't gonna sting that much no Damon. doubt remarkable season for Scotty Scheffler let's take another look at this leaderboard one thing we like to do often is kind of you know go inside the names of the players who who didn't win. So you see that Rory McIlroy has that one-shot victory. But how about some winners 
who did not win. You know, during the playoffs, you can take yesterday or take for this entire playoff run. You got a winner who didn't win? The guy was number five on that leaderboard right there, Max Homa. And he, Max had a very interesting tweet last night. It tells you a lot about just how frail the, the psychology is of players on the PGA Tour. Because he said, you know, it has been a hell of a year. He's won twice. He's proud of his team. This game will take you to some crazy places mentally. And there's a guy who still has all of the doubts that come with people who play professional mm -hmm. sports for a living. When you see the guy standing next to you on the range and you can't quite figure out how he's doing better than you are when you clearly are a better player than he is. Yeah. And, you know, he's right. It can take you to crazy places. But there's a guy who's found belief in himself this season, belief that he belongs, and he's actually cemented that belief by raising trophies, and he finishes fifth in the season-long race for the FedEx Cup. That's a pretty darn good way to, to leave the season feeling as a winner, even if he didn't get it done yesterday. And I wouldn't say he's the only one who leaves Eastlake hmm. feeling as though he's got a victory of some kind. Jay Monaghan's got to feel mm. the same way because he's been under a PR assault for most of the year, a legal assault, made some missteps of his own along the way this year in terms of how things were probably handled that he would go back and do a different way. But it, it's been a very kind of tense, mm. stressful year if you're Jay Monaghan trying to hold off this existential threat of live golf and various players threatening to leave at various courses during yeah. the year. So if you're, if you're Jay Monaghan and you suddenly got into East Dick and you're in a lot better position leaving there than you were perhaps even a couple of months ago, yes. and your tour is in a lot better position because he's only the fourth commissioner in the history yeah. of the PGA Tour. Based on what he unveiled last Wednesday, he will be the first one who will be able to guarantee the product mm. for fans and sponsors, that we will know who's playing, where they're playing, and when they're playing. Mm. And none of his predecessors had that luxury. does feel like the PGA Tour leaves Atlanta and this season in a much stronger position than it did maybe a month ago. How about Sahith Tagala? Uh, this is someone you want to talk about gratitude. He was standing on the range on Sunday in Delaware talking about how nervous he was, that his hands were shaking and somehow found a way to shoot 68, burning 12, 13, and 14 to make it to Eastlake Amy, And he said if you had told him a year ago that he would be, you know, in his rookie season advancing to the final 30, you know, in Atlanta, he would have laughed at you. And to see that he found, he didn't get a win. This season, it had a close call at the Travelers, for example, but the gratitude which he, which he brings to professional golf and, and acknowledging and being honest about it, my hands were shaking. Like he's, like, he's on the range and his hands are shaking, and to find a way to cobble together a round of golf to make it to Eastlake, I think it's one of the underappreciated stories of 2022. Sure, when you go back to even the Waste Management Phoenix Open way back in, in January, February, that's where he kind of almost like announced himself yes. on the PGA Tour. And he became this, this just fascinating, compelling guy yeah. who, in a way, he kind of reminded me at the time of Arnold Palmer. He was going to go for broke on the shots. That kind of what cost mm. him at the end at Travelers. Yeah. But he was doing the same thing at Phoenix. But the idea that at, at his age, in his rookie season, that he would make it all the way to East Lake and be on the top 30 guys on the PGA Tour, there's a lot more accomplished guys yeah. than he is didn't make the trip to Atlanta, didn't mm. need to go mm. to Atlanta, and weren't required. And Sahith Tagala was there. He gave a great account of himself, and now I'm just fascinated to see what he's going to do for next season. Yeah. You know, we have two weeks to wait for that to begin, but it, 
you really want to see him now step up and say, what is the next level yeah. for him? And sometimes, you know, you've got to take a step back after leaping in and bounding forward as he has yeah. in this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how he resets what mm. is a reasonable goal for him because mm. presumably his expectations have grown exponentially. I think his mindset is right, his game is right, to watch him walk the fairways at the old course and say, hey, you know what, uh, I'm so happy to be there. He, he was like a badge holder. He was like a fan. I mean, walking inside the ropes at, at the old course, you, you would have thought that he was just happy to, to have a Thursday through Sunday ticket uh, at his first ever Open Championship. Well, speaking of players walking, coming up after the break, we'll have the latest news on the next group of rumoured defections to live golf. Stay with us. Back on golf today, in case you missed it, there was a lot of news surrounding Live Golf over the weekend, so let's get to it. On Sunday, 13-year PGA Tour veteran Cameron Tringali took to social media to announce that he will not renew his PGA Tour membership next season and will instead join Live Golf. Tringali, one of several names going to Live, including Open champ Cameron Smith, which multiple sources have confirmed to GolfChannel.com. Now, Smith, who further declined to comment after his third round of the Tour Championship, is scheduled to play the fourth Live event, which is slated for this week outside of Boston. Meanwhile, according to a report from our Ryan Lavner, Cameron Young said Sunday at the Tour Championship that he was very interested in Live Golf, but has decided to remain with the PGA Tour. Now, speaking to a small group of reporters at Eastlake, he was quoted saying, frankly, I have decided to stay. It's a really difficult situation because it's not anything that anyone really wanted to happen. I think it wasn't meant to be, this hostile between the two. Young was part of the players-only meeting that convened ahead of last week's BMW Championship. It's been a roller coaster year in the men's game, and after his victory on Sunday at Eastlake, Rory McIlroy addressed the media and was asked if he feels like speaking out on behalf of the tour has become a burden over time. No, I don't think so, because if you believe in something, I think you have to, you have to speak up. Um, and I believe very strongly about this. I really do. Uh, I hate what it's doing to the game of golf. I hate it. Like, I really do. I mean, like it's, it's going to be hard for me to stomach going to Wentworth in a couple of weeks' time and seeing 18 of them there. Like, that just, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, so, yeah, I feel strongly. I, I believe... Uh, I believe what I'm saying are the right things, and I think when you believe that what you're saying is the right things, you're, you're happy to, to stick your neck out on the line. More on the season that was and what lies ahead, we welcome in Rex Hogg. And Rex, you penned an article on GolfChannel.com recapping this rocky season, which has now come to an end. So where are we now? Well, you listen to those comments from Rory McIlroy, and clearly there's a lot of emotion in his voice, and you get an idea of exactly how fractured the PGA Tour is. I think at one point during that interview last night, Rory actually called it tribal, and I think that's probably a good testament to it. Everything that happened this season seemed to have been framed by this breakaway cir circuit. Everything that happened all the way from February when the rumors started to build that players were about to jump ship to where we are right now, where we just ended the season on a highlight 
for the PGA Tour. They just announced these massive changes last week. Rory McIlroy, their outspoken champion, wins the Tour Championship. All of these good things, and yet we're bracing this week for more announcements of players going to live golf. I, I did find it fascinating, and, and clearly Rory has been very outspoken, so there's no reason to sort of wonder how deep his dedication to the PGA Tour goes. But if you did need a better example, I was talking with Brad Faxon yesterday at Eastlake, and he said he was at that 1994 meeting where Greg Norman actually picked, pitched the original idea of the World Golf Tour. And he said Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer were there as participants. They actually spoke up and they spoke in support of the PGA Tour, but Brad made the point of saying they were just participants. Go back two weeks ago to the Wilmington meeting. Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, they ran the meeting. They had the agenda. They're the ones that wanted to get everybody in the room and make sure they understand what was at stake and how they were going forward. I think that's the best snapshot of what this means to Rory. Rex, you've talked about how there's so many different moving parts and unknowns here, both in terms of the PGA Tour changes and what's going to be penciled in on those details. Obviously, the live golf element and what's to come next as well. What can we expect in the kind of short term, the immediate term to happen? Well, you would imagine within the next day or two, multiple sources have told me that Cameron Smith, the world number two, will be announcing that he's going to live golf. He's going to play this week's event in Boston. Along with him will be Joaquin Neiman and Mark Leishman, the sources tell me. Now, this puts Trevor Immelman, our colleague and the International President's Cup captain, in a very, very difficult position. He will have to make his picks to round out that team next Tuesday. A tour official told me that because the team, the automatic qualifiers, have already been set, that Trevor will essentially just get extra picks. So two of those players, Mark, uh, Joaquin Neiman and Cam Smith, obviously are qualified for that team. So essentially, Trevor will just get two extra picks. But you get an idea of how difficult this was for Trevor. As it, this was sort of unfolding on Saturday, he and I were texting back and forth, and he has worked for this over two years now. And for him to get to the point now in the process where he's having to scramble to try to make sure that he can field his whatever those best 12 players are, it's difficult. Yeah, Trevor has been very active on social <laughs> media as well. Rex, the significance of Live Golf adding its name to this lawsuit is what? Well, I think the, the headline that a lot of people took away from it was Jason Kokrak and Abraham Answer, you guys talked about earlier, they have dropped out of the lawsuit. So it dropped down to seven players from the original 11. And that's certainly noteworthy because it seems like if you continue in this direction, you wonder where the lawsuit's going to be two years from now when we actually go to trial. But I did speak with one antitrust lawyer who pointed out that Live Golf joining the lawsuit really doesn't change the competitive landscape of what's being going to be litigated here. The facts are still remain the same. What really changes here are the stakes. It just sort of escalates where we are right now. If we get to the end of this process, and, and I think legal opinions go both ways on this, but if the Live Golf, if the Live Golf players win the lawsuit, if it was just the players, that would be one thing. We're talking about punitive damages. If it's Live Golf, you're talking about a billion-dollar corporation. It really escalates things. Rex Hoggle reporting on all things PJ Tour, Live Golf, and the President's Cup as well. We appreciate his time on this Monday. Your big takeaway from kind of this chess pieces that continue to move outside the ropes. The Cam Smith likely defection that's now been rumored for several months, that's a wounding one for the PGA mm. Tour, not least because he is friendly with a lot of senior executives at the Tour living in Pontevedra. But it's the first time Liv has managed to actually attract somebody who is at the absolute top of his game. He, he's the world number two. He's a major champion. He's a player's champion. But when you look at the context of the changes that were announced by the PGA Tour last week, if the rumored number of whatever it is, $100 million, that Cam Smith is leaving for is accurate, then it's a pretty poor price for what Cameron Smith could potentially earn 
on the PGA Tour over the next few years. The difference, of course, is earn it rather than be handed it. But the other names around it, it it's the same thing we see in all live announcements. There's a prominent name, an accomplished player, and then it's just window dressing with the dregs. I mean, Cameron mm. Tringali has made more money on the PGA Tour without winning than any player mm. in the 60-odd 60 60-odd 60 year history of the PGA Tour. And in a way, he's the perfect representative for live golf, where, where money matters over accomplishment. And what you're going to see this week, presumably, is a lot of guys whose bank balances now look considerably more impressive than their trophy cases were ever going to look. The thought was, though, that the 20-somethings, you know, the, the, the Live Golf wouldn't be able to get those players, that this was going to be a 40-year-plus age player who would be going to live potentially. This is someone, as you mentioned, height of his power or maybe just tasting his power. Joaquin Neiman rumored as well. Is this a bigger deal, or do you think that with the changes that are coming to the PGA Tour, that this will stop the potential superstar 20-somethings from fleeing to live? Well, that's always the question with live is with, with every series of announcements, is who else have mm. you got? What else have you got? And it will be very hard for them to top Cameron Smith, who's an enormous coup for live golf. There's no denying that yeah. at all. But when you look at who was in the the room and who has publicly pledged their loyalty to the PGA Tour based on what has happened over the last couple of weeks and what the direction of the tour is going to move in, it's difficult to see where that next icebreaker comes mm. from. Where do they next get to another level of player or where do they get another Cameron Smith level yeah. player to do it? And it's, it's not easy to see that that player is out there. So it's very possible that things may just kind of settle into this calm for the next mm. few months as, through the last couple of live events and then before we get into the spring of next year and perhaps hostilities renew themselves then. But I, I suspect what has been announced by Jay Monaghan has bought the PGA Tour some time mm. to see if it works, if it meets the demands of the players that they want. Yeah, and this could echo, though, for months going forward because, as we know, in the run-up to the Players' Championship, how the PGA Tour loves to, to kind of broadcast what that defending champ has done, whether it's Rory McIlroy or Justin Thomas. And you have to wonder how they will handle brochures, commercials, the entire month or so run-up to the Players' Championship when your defending champ is Cameron Smith. Yeah, it's going to be the, the man of whom not much is mm. said. Yeah. Way, but, you know, it's not a problem for the RNA next year when the Open comes around. This has not been their fight. Mm. It's definitely a, a marketing challenge that yeah. the PGA Tour is going to have to deal with. All right, folks, stay with us. It was a special Sunday in Ohio for 50-year-old Jill McGill, who joined Elite Company after winning the U.S. Senior Women's Open. Our friend Beth Ann Nichols joins us with a full recap. Back on golf today was Paula Rito. South Africa, winner of the CP Women's Open over a stacked field. And look at the celebration waiting oh so long for that first victory on the LPGA Tour and gets it done. Really one of the most popular events of the schedule, a national open. Love this little tradition in the women's game also. Dousing of bottled water sometimes. Champagne as well. And there you see a final round 67. And what a Great week for Nellie Korda, the former world number one. You see Lydia Koshot, 63. Her great history in the CP Women's Open as well. But it was all about Paula Rito. First team All-America 
at Producer. She's a boiler maker, started on the tour back in 2014, competed in Rio in the Olympics, you may recall, for South Africa, finishing in a tie for 16th. And yes, that first victory comes in start number 157. How about the U.S. Senior Women's Open highlights? South Course, Kettering, Ohio. This is Jill McGill. Par 4, 14. Second shot from the rough, Amos. Hey, I can't hit that shot. You're not Jill McGill. <laughs> no, I'm not. And then the 18th hole, we'll tap in bogey to win. Finishes the tournament at three under par. For a lot of the day, it looked like it might be Dame Laura Davies to get it done. But this win marks McGill's third USGA title. She also won the U.S. Women's Amateur back in 1993 and the 94 U.S. Women's Amateur links as well. So one shot went over. Little Lindley, fantastic play. Katrina Matthew continuing to play well. There you see Dame Laura Davies, not the Sunday that she wanted. Final round of 78 for the member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. But how about Jill McGill? You want to talk about being in good company players earning three different USGA titles all time the King Big Mama you got the Golden Bear Carol Simple Thompson I mean Tiger's like on every list that matters Amos that's some pretty rarefied error Jill McGill just joined yesterday absolutely congrats <coughs> to her right now Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Nichols joins the program was on site in Ohio great to see you what should viewers know about Jill McGill and her journey to this point in her career well, I think we'll start with the fact that she hadn't won a tournament since 1994. So, <laughs> so yesterday was a huge day for Jill McGill. You know, when you when you look at her storied amateur career, the fact that she never won as a professional. You know, I, I look at Annika Sorensen and Laura Davies and Helen Helen Alfredson, and the U.S. Senior Women's Open was a continuation of a fantastic professional career for those three ladies. But for a player like Jill McGill, it was a second chance. To, to do what she'd long been waiting to do. And so, you know, it's funny, someone asked her, you know, what she gleaned from her past experience on the LPGA and coming down the stretch in those moments. And she says, nothing. I wanted to forget all of it because it didn't work back then. So this was a, a much different Jill McGill, different attitude, different approach, obviously a mother of two, and she soaked up every second of it. And she had a lot to soak up yesterday because not only was she in contention in the final round of a senior major, Beth Ann, but she was playing alongside the defending champion, Annika Sorenstam. Was there any particular moment that <laughs> stuck out to you from that yesterday? Uh, yeah, my favorite moment of the day was on the 18th hole when Jill McGill goes to, to putt in for her bogey, a little tap in putt, and, and Hanukkah says, oh, no, 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 you need to mark that. And Jill looks at Annika like, why? It's, it's so short. <laughs> and Annika says, because that's to win the tournament. <laughs> so it was great. They, she walks off to the side. Annika goes back over there and has a little moment with her and, and explains the situation and says, I want you to enjoy this, soak this up, let, let me finish. <laughs> so, so it was just so fitting for a player who has you know, won more than anyone else in, in modern LPGA history to uh, – to make sure that Jill had her moment. Yeah, nice of the 72-time LPGA Tour winner to do that. Beth Ann, now speaking of Annika, she shot a final round 77 to finish in the tie for fifth. What happened, and will we see her in competition again? 
you know, she really struggled off the tee, and and Annika couldn't couldn't pinpoint a why when she birdied the first hole. I think we all thought, game on, you know, the player to beat today. And 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 when she walked into the media room to talk to us afterwards, you know, she was smiling. She was still in a good mood, but but you know. She was obviously really disappointed, though. When I asked her about next year and how much we'll see her, she said, you know, not as much as you did this year. And and she's not really sure, you know, what, what the future holds in terms of this championship. It wouldn't surprise me if this was the last time we saw Annika play in the U.S. Senior Women's Open simply because she said it took so much work to get to this point, to get herself competition ready. And she was disappointed that she didn't get out of it what she was looking for. And I think we can include in that a, a miscut at the, the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. However, <laughs> with the U.S. Women's Open coming to Pebble Beach next summer, Annika, of course, could ask for a special exemption, which, of course, I think the USGA would give her. So it'll be interesting to see if she mulls that over and decides that that's really where she wants to say goodbye, because it's my belief that that will be the week of the year in golf next year. And it would be wonderful to have Annika there. Bethan, this championship is open to women who are at least 50 years old, which is really quite a gap from when the typical LPGA competitiveness ends before you get to the senior tour, much different, obviously, from the PGA Tour champions. Mm -hmm. What do you make of the age requirements? Should it be up for discussion? Yes, to me, it's a no-brainer <laughs> that it needs to dip down to 45 and for, for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, when you look at the fact that just a few weeks ago we saw Kari Webb and Annika Sorensen duke it out at the Senior LPGA Championship. And we didn't see Kari at this event because she's not old enough. Because the age limit to play on the senior circuit, what, what there is uh, on, on the LPGA, the Legends Tour, you know, is 45. And so it seems like it would make sense if the biggest tournament for the senior golf lined up with the senior circuit in terms of being 45. The, the other thing I would point to is that last year on the LPGA, there were only five players 40 and over who competed at least 10 times on the tour. So when you look at the fact that it's there's just such a long wait to get to 40 and the arc of an LP of a career for for from a girl, junior golfers playing up all the time in big tournaments to looking at their exit strategy around 30, 35 to, to start a family is, is very different than the men. Mm -hmm. Speaking of age, Beth Ann, and how it's just a number, the big story in this tournament every year is one woman who's qualified for senior golf more than 30 years ago, Joanne Carner. She teed it up at 83 years of age, shot her age on Friday <laughs> for the fifth time at a U.S. Senior Women's Open. What do you make of the story? Have we seen Big Mama for the last time in this tournament? You know, I got the feeling, I, I'm, I always hold out hope, but this time I really got the feeling that this was it. And, and what a gift that we have had to be able to watch Joanne Carner compete in all four U.S. Senior Women's Opens. She, of course, hit the inaugural <laughs> tee shot at Chicago Golf Club. 79 walking the golf course which was her age at the time and you know, everything she does is cool like you you want to watch every single thing that she does because it's big mama you know and 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 the funny thing is as we're all getting excited about the fact that joanne carner is going to potentially shoot her age or break her age or break 80 and and you know twitter's excited about that joanne's disappointed because the reality is she came there to make the cut and so I, I definitely think that, you know, she's probably realizing as well, like Annika, it took a lot of work to get there and she doesn't know if she wants to do it again. Mm.
Big Mama, a gift to our game. Bethan did have a wonderful little story on Golf Week over the weekend where she asked other players about their favourite Joanne Carner memories. And one player talked about Joanne walking into the trainer's trailer, sitting down there, watching players working out, and then finally turned to the trainer and said, you got any Advil? <laughs> Took her Advil and left. That's perfect. That's a legend. That is. 83 yeah. years young. Bethan, great to see you. Enjoy Toledo. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Always fun. <laughs> well, when Golf Today continues, we re revisit the season that was for Rory McIlroy. He's had some epic ones in his career, but where does this one rank? The FedEx Cup champion Rory McIlroy earned more than $28 million on the PGA Tour this season. But his impact outside the ropes could be worth a lot more money to a lot more players for a lot more years. We look back at exactly what he accomplished in this dramatic season. And as we draw a line under the most memorable and controversial PGA Tour season in its history, we'll share our final takeaways from what felt like a season on the brink. And Tiger Woods has an important anniversary this week we revisit his Hello World moment with someone who was there to witness it back in Milwaukee. Golf Today continues right now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Golf Today continues on a Monday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch, of Golf Week magazine, the PGA Tour season is done. Been a lot of things going on. I'm just curious, as a journalist and broadcaster, did you enjoy this crazy season? Anybody who's interested in news for a living <laughs> is going to enjoy it. In a way, there's been a lot about it that's it's kind of sad in, the, mm. in how fractured golf has become. Uh, watching the relationships even between players be sundered as easily as they have been. But from a, from a new standpoint, it, it's absolutely compelling. Mm. And while we seem to be heading closer to a detente until yeah. court proceedings work their way out, I'm not necessarily sure next season is going to be as calm as maybe some people hope. Yeah, I tell you, my old boss at the New York Times, Hal Raines, used to say, you know, when you, when you flood the zone in a story yeah. like this and there's been no shortage of things to talk about in this season, it has been exhausting at times, but I still look at the quality of the golf that we've seen, and there's been no shortage of storylines, some uncomfortable, some yeah. difficult. But at the end of the day, in our business, it has been a fascinating 12 months. It does make you appreciate the, the, those weekends where you just get to focus yes. on the golf. And Roy McIlroy has contributed to two of those great yeah. weekends this year, three if you throw in the Masters mm. as well, even, I suppose, the old course as well. Although he wouldn't define that as such a great one, but that victory at the RBC Canadian Open in the shootout with Finau and JT, and then what we just saw yesterday at Eastlake. Yeah, speaking of the last 12 months, how about these past 12 months for Rory McIlroy? The 12 months of Rory. Let's take a look back at this kind of year that was September. Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits goes one in three in the matches, then following his match on the final day gave us one of the most heartfelt interviews of the year. Incredibly proud to be a part of this team to be a teammate of all all these guys, the captain, the vice captains. Um, we've had a great time. You know, it's, it looks like it's not going to pan out the way we want on the golf course. Um, you know, I've been extremely disappointed that I haven't contributed more for the team. I'm glad I got a point on the board today for them, but um, it's, you know, it's been a tough week. And the more and more I play in this event, I realize that 
it's the best event in golf, bar none. And I love being a part of it. I can't wait to be a part of many more. Heartfelt and human. How about October? Rory won the CJ Cup, one of a couple events he won this season with a triple bogey along with the Tour Championship. This was his 20th PGA Tour win, shot 25 under, 263 with that 62 in round three. Bikal Morikawa by one shot, 39th player to record at least 20 wins on the PGA Tour. And then, yes, over in the Middle East, November, bizarre Sunday. You recall the lead that he lost, that one-shot lead. Then he tore apart his golf shirt following the final round, tumbling into a tie for sixth. Happiness, April. Second in the Masters, that 64, holding out that bunker shot, tied for the best round on the last day in Masters history to finish three shots back of Scotty Scheffler. But that birdie and that celebration, one to remember, maybe a harbinger for 2023. And then June, Rory won the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's Golf and Country Club, shot 62 tournament for the second straight time with the COVID-19 pandemic you just saw huge crowds as Rory won for the 21st time on the PGA Tour and the disappointment at the 150th open two shots back of the winner Cameron Smith at third place finish he was the only player to finish in the top 10 though in all four major championships had that lead seemed like it might be his time and then yesterday Rory McIlroy, we all know what he did at East Lake, winning the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, and afterwards caught up with our own Todd Lewis. From your first tee shot going out of bounds and getting a triple here to start this championship, to you making that clutch par on the final hole, between all those shots, what do you feel like you did best here this week? I think I just showed so much resilience. Um, I think mentally was probably the, you know, to come back, you know, I started the week six shots behind, you know, with the staggered right. format. And on the third tee on Thursday, I was 10 behind, you know, so to, to, to claw my way back and to, and to just, you know, I thought I, I was really proud of myself on Thursday to shoot the score that I did. And I felt like that really set me up. That gave me a lot of confidence to, to go and play the way I did the last three days. Final thing, for the last few months, you have defended this tour. You have fought for this tour. That being said, how much pride do you take in winning what this tour considers its ultimate prize? I'm, I'm incredibly proud. I'm incredibly proud to play on this tour. I'm incredibly proud to represent this tour. It's the best place to, to play competitive golf on earth. Deepest fields, the best players. I mean, you see the, you know, the spectacle that we put on there today. Um, the most meaningful, you know, the most meaningful prizes. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a lot of things going for it. Um, and the money's not too bad either, I guess. So if you're, if you're willing to work hard and go out and earn it, this is what can happen. Well, you did that today and this week. Congratulations. Rory McIlroy, the FedEx Cup champion. Guys? Yes, he is, Tilo. How about the most three-plus win seasons on tour the last 10 years? You see Rory, DJ, and Justin Thomas. Now, Dustin Johnson had a streak of 14 straight seasons with a victory on the PGA Tour. That snapped yesterday. So Jack and Arnie hold that record 17 straight seasons with at least one victory on the PGA Tour, which brings us to a question, Eamon, for a little buy or sell. You know, factoring everything on and off the golf course, was this the most important season of Rory McIlroy's career? I'm going to say it wasn't the most important. I do think it was the most impactful in terms of 
reshaping or helping reshape the PGA Tour for potentially generations to come during what has been an existential crisis for the Tour. But to me, the high watermark of important seasons for Rory, still 2014 when he won two major championships. Mm. He won a WGC and he won at the BMW Championship at Wentworth, the flagship event of what used to be his home tour in, in Europe. So to me, that's where the importance kicks in. But the impact of this season, I think, is going to be enormous and it's going to be felt for years to come because what we've seen him do is emerge into this kind of leadership role. And you, you wonder sometimes what the burden of that has been with the hours of calls and, and meetings and every press conference he walks into. He's asked about Liv constantly. He became the most vocal critic of Liv, the most vocal defender of the PGA Tour. And you wonder what that takes away yeah. from someone. But at the end of the day, what is leadership other than the ability to transfer vision into a reality? And you could argue that he's managed to accomplish that by what was announced last week. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I think it was the most important season of his career. He didn't win a major, but his voice was major in this season of, of fractured golf at the highest level and to be able to be a part of I think saving the skin of the PGA Tour and it's it transcends what happens inside the ropes where you happen to win three times and win a third FedEx Cup and break that tie that he held with Tiger Woods but I think for a player in his station at the age of 33 with the power of his voice and we're seeing these great players leave the PGA Tour and Rory able to sit down in that room with Tiger Woods and the strength of his voice and how it carries, not to mention this new business venture with Tiger Woods that will start in, in a year and a half from now. I think that we will look back perhaps in five years from now and say, you know what? We didn't know just how important this year was to Rory McIlroy. I understand the golf aspect of it, and it's hard to, to shake your head at, at a couple of majors in a WGC in 2014. But I think this season is when Rory McIlroy's power inside and outside the ropes was truly felt. I think that's definitely true. I mean, there's a substance to, to Rory McIlroy. And we've seen plenty of golfers, even in the last few years, some of whom have since left the PGA Tour, who are essentially shallow, whose personalities exist in YouTube videos or in commercials yes. for, for their business partners. Uh, but there's, there's a depth to Rory McIlroy as a competitor mm. and as a man. And I think what this season has done has made official what... It, it's essentially proven what we knew to be the case. It's made right. official this week, this season, by the kind of character that he brings to the role that he has found himself in. To some extent, he may have sought that role out, but I think to a large extent... It was somewhat forced on him because there weren't any other players stepping yeah. up to, to defend the PGA Tour in such vocal terms. Yeah. Others joined him as it went on. Will Zalatoris, to his credit, was very vocal. Justin Thomas became more vocal. Tiger, we didn't see much of Tiger during that year when he was recovering from his car crash. When he came back and was a public figure again, he mm. was more vocal. But no one carried more weight in this argument in terms of fighting the PGA Tour's corner, more so than the Tour did itself, mm. than Rory McIlroy. Sometimes the moment meets the man, and Rory has been the man. And, and you mentioned his voice and his decorum, his behavior, things that we used to talk about. In 2022, we don't talk about it that much. He walks off that golf course, and the first thing he does is, like, apologize. He apologizes to, to Scotty Scheffler's family and tells, you know, Mike Tariq, yeah, I kind of feel bad. I, I pipped. Scotty, I mean, who does that in sports these days where it's all about 
spiking the football and making the other guy look bad. That's how life is today. That's why social media is such a cesspool. Look at the way Rory McIlroy handles himself in good times and bad, in this sport of decorum and behavior and general citizenship and good guyness, and to play the great golf that he did while carrying this burden. It looked like it was just a feather on his shoulder considering how well he played this ultra-difficult game. Time now for Winning Moments, presented by Win Grips. How about 2016? Rory McIlroy, three shots off the lead with three holes to play. When he pulled out for Eagle on the 16th, the Tour Championship, getting that playoff with Kevin Chappell and Ryan Moore, eventually winning his first FedEx Cup title. Yes, indeed. Great photo. 2019, Rory won the FedEx Cup for a second time, surging past Brooks Kepka in the final round at East Lake. Finishing with a final round 66. Good enough for a four shot victory. And of course, yesterday, Rory McIlroy won the FedEx Cup for the third time. Rory started the day six behind world number one Scotty Scheffler for closing with a final round 66 to take the FedEx Cup. Yes, and making a little history. The most FedEx Cup titles had been tied with Tiger, but now you see he's got three of them 2016, 2019. In 2022, and after his win last night, a little jab at his buddy and business partner, Tiger Woods. To, to be the, the FedEx Cup champion for a third time, for the you know the first player ever to do that, something that not even Tiger Woods has done. Rory McIlroy saying scoreboard. How about this date? In golf history, speaking of Tiger, 1996, Tiger Woods shot 67 in the first round of his professional debut in the Greater Milwaukee Open, but go on to shoot rounds of 69, 73, 68 to finish the week in a tie for 60th. And how about this? According to Darren Ravel, $69,000 was the price paid by winning bidder at the Heritage Auction this weekend for the oversized score sheet displayed at the 1996 Greater Milwaukee Open, Tiger Woods' pro debut. So with more on this anniversary, we're joined now by SI.com contributor Gary Van Sickle, who was working at Golf World in August of 1996. Good to see you, buddy. What memories stand out when you think back to this week in 1996? It, was, it all happened so fast, Damon. He, he came there as an amateur. I remember he used <coughs> gift certificates to pay for dinner Tuesday night. He had to borrow $100 from Butch Harmon to pay his entry fee into the tournament. He played in the Pro-Am Wednesday morning as an amateur on Duffy Waldorf's team. And Duffy later said, I just saw the future of golf. Uh, it was crazy. Then, in the, then he has the press conference, and he signs for $43 million, which was, you know, I don't know, a shocking number. I mean, if you were going to have a number like that today, that was going to be shocking. It would probably have to be – a like 1.5 billion. And, you know, Tiger opened it with his famous hello world remark, and it, it seems so fresh and bright. And then we find out three days later, it's actually a, you know, campaign slogan for Nike. But at the time, I mean, you saw his face, he's got the smile, he's handsome. It just was like, I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Gary, the, the media that was there that week 
doesn't typically show up at golf tournaments. People magazine covered it, Newsweek covered it, the TV show Extra led with it. Did it feel as seismic at the time as it later turned out to be? I would say yes and no. A lot of the tour players still, they didn't know Tiger, and they thought, you know, he'll he'll have a rough time. I mean, I think Curtis Strange did an interview with him that week for ABC that Curtis kind of ruefully regrets. But at the end, you know, Curtis asked him what his attitude was, like, I'm going to try to win every week. Curtis kind of you know, smugly said, you'll learn. Well, that that's not how it turned out. And in fact, even Tiger, I don't think, knew what he was in for because when he on his way out of town, he's, you know, he was out of gas after playing the USM. He was really tired. I think that's why he didn't do well. And even that, he, he had a hole-in-one on Sunday to finish 60th. But on his way out, he said, well, I'll fi- I figured things will die down next week. So, yeah, they did not die down next week. They did not die down 25 years later. It was, it was an event. And yet there were still, not everybody was knew what Tiger Mania was going to become. So we knew it was special, but I don't think we knew how special. Gary, you've played this game at a very high level. Your son as well. You've covered it for many decades. I'm curious what you thought when you saw Tiger Woods swing a golf club in person for the first time. Well, if you're standing at a golf tournament in, behind the ropes, behind Tiger on tee box, the reaction was always the same. When he hit the shot, people, they were gasping like, oh, because they couldn't believe how high it went. And then shortly thereafter, <laughs> it, it turned to laughter because they couldn't believe it. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, they'd never <clears throat> seen anything like that. I think Tiger averaged like 323 yards off the tee that week. And John Daly was leading the tour at 289. So, Tiger was 35 yards longer than just about anybody on tour. And that just made it incredible. And again, talking about it, standing behind Tiger and watching him hit a driver, it went so high. I mean, again, I I still get goosebumps thinking about that. When people were that shocked by the potential for, for what this guy could do in terms of his own performance, Gary, you mentioned he finished tight 60th that week. He made $2,544. If someone had asked you that week, what is the ceiling for Tiger Woods? Would it have come anywhere close to what it turned out to be? I don't think so. We all knew he was good. You know, Lee Trevino, I think that week was saying uh, the commissioner should just give him a card right now and not, he shouldn't have to try to earn it. The guy won three U.S. amateurs in a row. He's not going to fail. But there were still plenty of tour pros who were, who were doubters, and there were plenty of tour pros who had seen him. I mean, anybody who had seen him play knew and that was the difference i saw him play at riviera as an amateur and that was an incredible start he he just missed an eagle putt in the first hole and he made a crazy par off a curb a cart path curb on the second hole and made a putt to save par and did you know did the fist pump which we didn't know was going to become a trademark but so he had potential you just didn't you just didn't know if he was going to be another college guy who hit it a long way and, and wasn't going to make it. We didn't know how great he was going to be, but you knew he had something special. Gary, the three of us have shared a lot of press rooms over the years following the exploits of Tiger Woods. What's your favorite Tiger Woods moment after all these years? Boy, that's a tough one. You know, in his prime, every tournament he hit a shot 
where you said, I've never seen that, or that's impossible. I mean, every tournament. I think, uh, you know, the 2019 Masters was pretty good. And in the 2018 Tour Championship, where he and Rory are walking down 18, and the crowd broke loose like he was the Pied Piper, and they followed him up the fairway. I think those two, I'd pick from one of those two. It, it was uh, I was actually there in Las Vegas when he won his first tournament, and there weren't a whole lot of people out there for that. It, and it was remarkable. He beat Davis Love in a playoff, but for excitement, for memorability, uh, that tour championship is pretty darn good. That was a scene you'll we'll all remember. Yeah, you could write a book on this incredible career, and some have. Gary, thanks so much for your time on this Monday. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Well, stay with us. We've got the nine best shots from the week after the break. Find out what makes our list when Golf Today returns. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Geico, switch today and see all the ways you could save. And Srixon, level up with the ZX irons, built for distance. And by Epson Tour, road to the LPGA. Right, two Gators, yes, but it's time for the nine. Nine best shots of the past week. JT Poston, first round, par four, seventh. This is one way to help your putting stats for the week. Sure is. That was a great par save, by the way. How about a little more JT Poston? What a name, what a game. Third round, par four, 17th. This is a way to help your putting stats for the week, Dave. <laughs> Deja vu all over again. How about that? The smooth game and a smooth, slow walk. Number seven, this is Sung JM <coughs> in round two from way off the green on the par five six. This another for a three. <laughs> to help your putting stats. That goes in for Eagle. Love to see it. What a season he had, <coughs> by the way. Former world number one Adam Scott, the par four eight. Did anyone make a putt this week, Damon? <laughs> My goodness. These are the Best players of the year. Pulling out that shot for birdie. Now number five, Roy McElroy. This is the first round. Par five, six. We've got a detailed as choppy start. This is a nice way to cancel out that triple bogey on the first hole. Oh, how about it? The backdoor ego. Good to see. The four-time major champion, now three-time FedEx Cup champion. Number four. Sam Burns, par 5, 18. This is the third round. you got to be kidding me. And slam dunk. I like slam dunks. I can't dunk anymore. Used to for a time. My boys asked me if I can. No longer. Age is a cruel mistress, Damon. <laughs> yes, it is. How about number three, Victor <coughs> Hovland? Final round. This is the par for fifth. His second shot. I kind of a sawed-off shot there. I like to kind of hold off that finish a little bit. And he held out on the same hole last year. Steak as well. So good. Great smile. Victor Hovland. Number two, this is Aaron Cockrell. Round one of the Omega European Masters on the third hole. Whoa! That's going to get expensive. Yes, but he's happy about it. High five. Well Finally, done. someone with a putter in hand, Damon. Oh, man. 
we've seen like this length for Rory here, Bay Hill, you name it, he's got it. 31 feet. Oh man, speaking of Rory, time now for the 19th hole. Rory able to get it done, his third FedEx Cup title. After the win, he was asked about how he will celebrate. I had a conversation with Shane Lowry uh, yesterday, and it's Poppy's birthday on Wednesday, and his kids are going to come around our house for Poppy's birthday. And uh, he said, "I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see you next week, and we can celebrate with with the FedEx Cup." And I, so I was like, "Yeah, whatever." It was eight back at the time. I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just see you next week." And then, um, lo and behold, so we might. We, we might find a, a few really nice bottles of red wine tomorrow night in my wine cellar and uh, open them up and, and, and have a good time. Shane definitely know, knows how to celebrate this. Remember he, the he does. He'll, he'll lead me in the right direction. Yeah, leave no man behind. Fellow Open champ Shane Lowry. Yes. What time is the party, Rory? And yeah, Rory knows his wine. He likes the white burgundies, but also he knows a good Napa cab as well. Rory can hang with any player in golf, but he would be ill-advised to try to hang with Shane Lowry when it comes to celebrating. I've yes. seen the video of Shane's party in Dublin the night he won the Open. The night? That was like oh, a year-long party, wasn't it? It got off to a flying start. Yes. And how about for Rory McIlroy? What will this do for him going forward when you look ahead? I, I think, you know, we, we've a lot of talk about the value of wins, the value of competitions. There was a lot of money we talked about yesterday, but it was money earned mm. for the player you are now, not money donated or mm. guaranteed for the player you used to be. Yeah. That's a big difference. What a week that was. What a season that was. Congrats, Rory McIlroy, three-time winner of the FedEx Cup.